What's going on, guys? Get started in a second. <clears throat> I had to switch up the time, so the room might be small, intimate, more conducive for more participation for fewer people. We'll get started in a second. I'm just going to go ahead and uh, mute myself for a minute, and I'll be right back. I'm just going to reshare this on Twitter. Okay, cool. Give everyone a second to come in. I was originally supposed to do this uh, yesterday, uh, and unfortunately, my dog has been sick for the last for the last two days, <clears throat> so I had to take her to the vet. Um, she probably has giardia. I mean, we have um, we live right on the water, and we have a bunch of geese and, and ducks that are right in our backyard and she uh she likes to run around the backyard after they've been there and you know eat their crap so that's one one way that she might got sick might have uh <clears throat> come down with a sickness but anyway uh i appreciate you guys dealing with the reschedule uh i'm doing this a little bit earlier than three o'clock um it's been a lot of changing of the plans the last 72 hours, but I have to keep this under an hour. So the max that I'm going to go to is 315. We'll try to get into it pretty quickly. You know, as, um, first of all, I just want to thank, obviously Colin. Uh, this is a, this is, in my opinion, is a great platform. Um, it's accessible now to not only iPhone users, but Android users and all of the previous episodes, uh, are stored, recorded. So if you've come in late, if you've missed any of the other ones that I've done, feel free to go to the webpage that I'll share after this, and you'll see that they're all archived. But as all of the other call-ins, um, it's just my opinion, right? Everything that I say right now is my opinion, my you know my views on the market. Um, none of this is financial advice. We want to just create a you know friendly, open discussion. Um, a place where you guys can come ask questions, where you can talk about current events, uh, where we avoid politics and religion. Um, but a, a chance, honestly, for for those of you that um, try to interact with me on Twitter to uh, get my attention uh, in, a, in, I think, a, an easier way or a better way, because on Twitter, things get really they get lost in the uh, comment section. So anyway, without further ado, um, just some quick thoughts. There's a few things we could obviously touch on. Uh, my tweets this morning uh, with regard to um, uh, Quan and, and uh, you know the whole Terra ecosystem and the outright, what is possibly going to be an outright purchase of BTC uh, on the open market for, I think, $1.1 or $1.2 billion um, worth of Bitcoin potentially. So that's something that I think is noteworthy. Uh, you know, I was quite vocal about that this morning. Um, and I could go into the reasons as to why I think that that is bullish, at least in the short term. It matters when that obviously begins, right? Um, you know, we could move another 
you know, five, 10% lower before that even begins. So I think it's important to go over sort of, I guess, what my approach is to that. Um, there is the uh, El Salvador bond buying program uh, that is, or rather that, you know, El Salvador committing $500 million um, to uh, their Bitcoin bond. Uh, and that I think is supposed to begin or launch on March 20th. So that's something that we could touch on uh, in current price action. Um, you know, these, it's been kind of boring recently, honestly. We've uh, we've had sort of circa 2018 style price action, just like BART up, brief range, get one side of the market really confident, BART down, you know, brief range, get the other side of the market really confident, bears and, and bulls um, sort of jumping to conclusions, of, you know, jumping to conclusions about the trend before the range has changed, right? So we're still in the, you know, very nicely defined um, range, right? Between 45.5 and go down to, you know, the 33, 34 area. And, you know, one of the mistakes that a lot of people make is not trading for the right environment, right? Um, Looking for a, a, a trend play when, you know, the market as a whole for the last year has been in a range and for the last quarter has been in a range, right? So there are obviously trending plays that take place sort of on the intraday and throughout the week, um, but we're not seeing anything that obviously has legs and we we haven't left the structure that we've been, you know, stuck within again for, for the last quarter now. So this is uh, not something that's new. At this point, it's becoming more and more obvious, which makes the next you know, slightly longer term, potential longer term trade um, a bit more significant. And that, you know, in that, I mean, if if we break above 45 or if we break below um, what is, you know, likely higher than the lows, it's more likely that if we break below something like, you know, 37, uh, that we're looking back down around 34, 33. And then if we break 34, 33, I think ultimately we have a, a retest of the Lows going back to um, going back to July, so that is right around you know twenty nine thirty. Um, but we have significant levels right ahead of us. It doesn't make sense to think too far outside of that. Uh, right now, from a positioning standpoint, we're not seeing anything major in terms of open interest or any sides in particular really uh, chomping at the bit. Um, I think everyone right now is getting chopped up to the point where the market is less keen on getting in position until something obvious does change. Um, so yesterday was CPI. Uh, so I don't know if anyone's interested in sort of going over what my approach to that was or, you know, my two trades that I ended up taking uh, and then stepping away. Uh, but CPI is obviously a much more significant um, event moving forward um, as crypto has become you know, extremely correlated and tethered to the S&P and CPI is one of the most significant days uh, as of the last, obviously the last few months for legacy. Uh, and since crypto is so tied to legacy by proxy, it is significant, excuse me, I have to take a sip of my water, significant to BTC as well. Uh, Bitcoin has been trading basically it might as well be tick for tick with the S&P. Um, it's doing that right now. So, I mean, there's no decorrelation yet, but if we have a catalyst like uh, a, you know, um, UST 
outright purchase of over a billion dollars in BTC, and this is not done OTC, and it's done you know through desks uh, on exchanges with a TWAP, that would be something that would probably lead to uh, one of our um, brief periods of decorrelation. Um, but the CPI trade, or the two CPI trades, so basically with CPI, um, the moves that happen in the first 30 minutes are, they're not really worth paying much attention to. Uh, and the first move is is usually a pretty easy movie to move, I said movie, uh, pretty easy move to fade. Um, so if in the first couple seconds after the CPI release, and it was 7.9, so um, no improvement, right? Which the market, I think, ultimately perceives as negative. Um, but the first second after the market started ticking higher, I immediately longed um, because I know that we're expecting a whipsaw. And usually when the market sees that we're beginning to tick in one direction, there's sort of a brief pile on period because people think that we're going to have some type of lasting breakout. Uh, and I just took profit at what is two times ATR. So my take profit is a derivative of ATR. So if we're looking at not daily ATR, um, half hour ATR. So 30 minute ATR, if you're looking at a TPO chart, you know, the average sub period uh, rotation size. So that was around, I think that was around uh, $650 to $700 at the time. I'd marked it off of my chart. So there was no way I was holding beyond that. And immediately when we reached that threshold, I, I partially was able to limit out and, and market out the rest. Um, and my assumption was that the first move was going to be incorrect. Um, but since I was able to get in on the move early enough, uh, I was able to take a bite at that. The second trade that I took uh, was to fade that move um, and not to be the first to sell. Right. So immediately after I had closed out my long, um, I closed out my long based on, again, what uh, what was essentially a, a market norm and that we had put that move in in a matter of seconds. Uh, I think the whole move to the upside lasted for just under, maybe it was around four minutes. Um, but we did two times that 30 minute average sub period rotation in, you know, two minutes or less than two minutes. Uh, so the short was not placed until we had a brief period of downside. So the first selling that had come in, um, that is typically going to get squeezed more. So what you have is you have a move that comes up initially all the way to right around 39,897. <clears throat> um, that move begins to tick lower. It looks like it is now, you know, the obvious short. You, know, you got to fade the move, right? This is all pretty uh, common narrative or common, commonly assumed practice. Uh, but you never fade the first thrust, right? So what I waited for was the second move up. Um, and then what ultimately followed was a more significant sign of selling pressure. And at this point, you know, you've seen this happen so many times before. Uh, I called this move, I think it was the last, maybe it was one of the last CPIs where literally at the Pico top of the move, I said, you know, we're going to retrace the entire move now. Um, and the whipsaw is not something that is going to just whipsaw higher than the initial move, right? So the initial move leaves 39.3, gets all the way up to 39.8-ish. Um, the whipsaw is not going to occur within that wick, right? There's no meaning within that that candle structure, that inefficiency that was created upward. It's not like we're going to get a whip a, a whipsaw from, you know, forty thousand one hundred that goes down to thirty nine eight, and then we're going to be whipping back and forth between, between there. It's more than likely that we're going to take the other side of the structure completely. 
Uh, you have trailing stops leading up to that. If you saw open interest leading up to the actual release, open interest had been ramping up. So people are just getting into positions um, outright in the beginning before the movement begins, you know, basically like a coin flip. Um, <clears throat> so that's partially why you know, the move happens so quickly, because immediately people are on the wrong side of the trade. And you can see how, how tight price action got up to that point. Um, but the idea behind the fade is that you're at least getting uh, a complete retracement of the structure. So from 39.3 all the way up to, I think it was 4,200. Uh, and I shorted just under that. So I think majority of my shorts actually came in just around 40,000. So maybe like 39,950, somewhere between there. I shared uh, a bunch of trades that I just banged on immediately. Uh, those are all placed at market. Um, the, the minimal take profit, um, it's either take profit or stop out. And the minimal take profit, meaning there's no, I'm not pulling myself out of the trade. I'm just going to get stopped out. Uh, the minimal take profit at this point is the base of the move. So basically expecting the entire move to get engulfed. Um, and I ended up holding on a little bit longer that, than that. So I think I closed this trade out whenever we took one of the initial or the, the first or the second low leading up to the structure. Now, more often than not, you'll see something like this occur where it, it's, it's gonna basically mirror the move. Um, if it puts in the initial move to the upside, it's gonna mirror the move to the downside. And then you could see basically after a 30 minute period passes, you know, this is sort of the 30 minute window that I talk about. Um, the market kind of just falls into a pretty normal uh, rhythm. So I'm going to open it up right now because there's not a whole lot that's going on. The last couple days have been pretty crappy in terms of vol. I mean, you've had some significant moves, but there's no follow through whatsoever. There's no real momentum behind price. Um, Thursday, yesterday was trading sort of like a weekend um, this session so far has been pretty limp uh, right now, just in terms of local market structure. You know, I think that if you zoom out and you look at the entirety of the structure, and again, this is, I'll, I'll briefly touch on um, the, uh, so when I was mentioning this morning about being bullish uh, and, and, you know, the market impact created from the terror purchase, uh, Crypto markets are not efficient really at all. So what we constantly see is that an event can be known in advance and that the market does not price this in. Right? Whereas with equities, with traditional markets, this is a lot more priced in. The markets are a lot more efficient. Um, with crypto, you actually have a chance to get in position up to the event before anything significant arises. This is something that's more pertinent to like alts and some catalysts with alts uh, with individual projects. But with BTC, if we're actually going to see um, over $1 billion in BTC bought, and this is something that is not going to be sourced, um, it's not going to be, you know, through a single counterparty selling or, you know, a few, couple counterparties selling through OTC. If this is something that's going to be sourced through a desk uh, to trade over exchanges, um, then this is absolutely going to have an impact on price. Uh, and it's not that I'm going to be long from, you know, I'm still spot long BTC. Um, it's not going to be that I'm going to, you know, get into position now before that happens. The idea is you're going to look for, ultimately look for the, the T-whopping behavior that is uh, sort of the footprint of a larger entity like that getting involved. Um, and a T, if you want an idea of what a T-wop looks like, just go to uh, the, the 8th and the 9th and look at the period from 38.5 running up to 39.5. 
So it was like a thousand dollar window of price. Um, and every four to five minutes, uh, I think it was like, maybe it was even a little bit less than four minutes. There were buys that would come in, book would replenish, the TWAP would begin again in another four minutes, buys would come in and, and it was a TWAP up from, it was a TWAP ramp up to that squeeze. So I was talking to a couple of people today. Uh, I was talking to Fantoshi, um, who is talking directly with uh, one of the people um, that are part of that group, right? That are part of that project. Uh, and I, I trust the information. So it's something that I'm gonna be on the lookout for. It's not something that I'm just getting into a futures position on behalf of right now. But I do think that it is, when it begins, it is a bullish catalyst. Um, again, if a TWAP is used, I mean, what's going to happen is there's going to be aggressive flow coming into the market. Um, now the market is sort of keen to this, you know, possibility occurring, right? Or, or this um, buyer stepping in. Uh, and then as the market becomes keener to that and we see momentum to begin to pick up, the liquidity providers and market makers are going to be, uh, they're going to be less interested in obviously stepping in the front of that um, toxic flow. So I, I, I almost say, you know, with, you know, with 100% certainty that if we do see that this begins, it'll lead to a significant move, regardless of what you see about, you know, how much uh, $1 billion in BTC purchase should have an impact on the market. Um, in theory, it's one thing. In practice, it's another. Um, all, of the, uh, all of the Michael Saylor buys, they were announced after the fact recently. Um, but anything that has been sort of well-known in advance you know, a party getting involved, a larger entity getting involved. Um, you know, think about FTX, for example, saying that they're buying, uh, and this goes back a while now. Um, these have all followed with like positively skewed prices over sort of a two to three week period. So that's what I'm more or less betting on occurring if we actually see them begin to, to spool that up. As far as just local price action right now, I think that before then, right, if we're looking at that happen, like, let's say in a couple of weeks from now, um, I think that it looks like, honestly, in the short term, we have lower prices ahead of us. Uh, if we just look at sort of the lows that are developing versus the highs, the high rejections are much swifter uh, and we're spending a lot more time consolidating at the lows. We have a poor low today. Uh, we're spending time. We're able to spend time in sort of yesterday's excess. Um, and if we just look at where we're trading right now with respect to where the volume has come in the last couple of days, it's clear that in the short term or locally, at least, you know, uh, bears are bears are in control. So unless we trade, you know, if we look at the last two days, it's kind of three days. If you were to combine the last three days, you have like a chunky double distribution. Unless we were going to trade above like, you know, 39 from where we are now, um, like 39.6 region, 39A region. Uh, it looks like before that, we're going to be cleaning up some lows around 38.2. But I want to open it up right now. I don't want to go on too long, so feel free to ask away. What's up, Daniel? All right, I just lost him. Daniel, if you want to hop on again. All right. In the meantime, if, if Daniel can hop on, someone else, feel free to join the call.
so yeah, I guess just to be clear, the the possibility of uh, you know Terra buying that much BTC, it's not something I'm getting in a position on behalf of right now. Uh, but I, I'm definitely behind the idea of it being a positive catalyst once they begin and, and not being, I guess the idea is it's not going to be something that's going to be completely absorbed by the market if they're not able to, you know, completely OTC that. All right. So let me get you on here. Crypto prowess. Hey, what's going on, man? I don't know if you guys can hear it. I'm a little bit under the weather right now. So bear with me a little bit of brain fog. Somewhat of a fever. Hey, can you hear me? I can't hear you guys if you're let me make you call her again. Make next caller. Crypto prowess. I'm trying to make you the next caller. Hey, what's going on? Okay. Right now? Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Excellent. Um, I was just wondering, I just had a quick question. I, I, I Thank you for all that you do for um, just all of your tweets and things like that. I have so much respect for uh, just the game that you play. Um, but I, the question I had, do you have any like aggregator tools that I could see like incoming flows of orders from like a, a bunch of DEXs so that I could start following tokens and inflows of order books for certain tokens? I mean, the thing that I use, and I'm not like the most sophisticated, uh, you know, DeFi, uh, DeFi or all trader um, monitoring DEXs. And I, I, the, what I use is DEX tools or DEX screener. Sorry. Um, what I have used is DEX screener. But again, it's, it's probably not the most it's a popular product. Um, it, it does show like the recent buy and sell activity and i think it comes in like tiers you could like subscribe or you know maybe maybe it's buy a certain amount of the the token if, if they're this might be incorrect i think there's dex tools and dex screener one of them if you buy a token or something you get more access to the platform um but i know dex screener like at its base level has something that is um basically a tape you know it's showing the um buy and sell orders that are coming in the uh wallets, you know, what side it is, um, price and uh, total value. And that is DexScreener.com. And that has all of the, that has all of the chains. So, you know, it has uh, Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain, Polygon, Avalanche, like Phantom, all of that. But that, I know there are definitely a few other platforms out there, but I'm just not, that's not my, you know, complete area of confidence. There's, you know, some, there's probably some, some better platforms out there that I'm unaware of. No, that's excellent. Thank you so much for, for that. And I guess my other thing is where did you really learn to like start reading charts to be like, okay, I need to go long right now. Or we're like, uh, where does that really, uh, is it just pattern reading more or less? I mean, I, I don't want to say it's pattern reading. Um, Cause when you think of pattern reading that usually brings to mind like the actual pattern in, in just structure um, when also it's like, you know, patterns in behavior in the market, patterns in order flow, there's a lot more than just market structure. And if you're, you know, newer to the game, the first thing that you see and consider patterns with regard to is market structure. Uh, but I've been doing this so long that now I think it's, it's something that's, I guess, harder to put a finger on and give like a, 
you know, a one, one or two sentence answer. Um, yeah, it's more of an innate thing anyway, like as an operator. So I, yeah, I completely get that. Cool. No problem, man. All right, who else wants to hop on? Let's get some people on here. Yeah, I don't know. Today I, I was feeling fine this morning, and then the last couple of hours of fever, kind of brain fog. <clears throat> Might be a little bit of a lag, so I'll give you guys a second. Uh, another thing that came out this morning, and I shared this um, kind of tongue-in-cheek, was the was the Russian, the news about, you know, um, Russian citizens or, you know, Russian oligarchs liquidating Bitcoin funds. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that that's BS. Um, you know, Reuters is moronic for putting that out. Uh, but I, um, I can't 100% confirm that, but it does sound like it is, but all right, Pablo, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, Pablo? Can you hear me? Oh, sorry. I was unmuting myself. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. What's going on? Um, yeah, so I just had a question uh, with regards to, because I actually did your uh, your course in my second month. Nice, man. Pretty much finished it. Um, but I'm I'm someone with a uh, like mathematics and computer science background um, okay. as a researcher. And so I, I've done swing trading for a while. And uh, did pretty well, but now coming more into uh, you know day trading and more specific kind of doing this as a day to day thing. Um, I've benefited a lot from your course with like market profile, market structure, the footprints. Um, do you have any suggestions for people who are like mathematically or computationally leaning in terms of like uh, other resources that might be beneficial to someone like me? Um, you mean like using that to be more of a systematic trader? Yeah, like, I mean, you know, exactly. Because I mean, I obviously, like a lot of the stuff the quants do are things that um, I can get, you know, pretty good at given my background. Um, I don't know if, uh, you know, if that's like a thing, you know, I know that obviously there's a lot of like the algorithms that we see Wall Street using and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Are there people doing that in terms of like Bitcoin? That's, that's like an in, like, institutional thing. Oh, of course. Yeah, <laughs> there's a massive amount of people doing that. I, I, I could... If you if you message me on Twitter, actually, I could give you a list of people that you should you know follow more uh, intently, and that's their primary approach. Um, more systematic, not necessarily systematic trend following, um, but more systematic, a more systematic of a you know of an approach to the market. Uh, you know, heavy in programming and coding as well yeah. as a background. Uh, a lot of them end up doing things that are along the lines of like market making um, and liquidity providing. But yeah, I could give you a, like offhand, probably five to 10 people that you could follow more closely and, and sort of pick their brain. Cause I'm definitely not like a, um, I have things that are, I guess you would say they're somewhat systematized and mechanical, but they're not, I mean, I, I tried to get myself into programming and I got into Python and, and took a couple courses, but if you don't like have, you know, it's, you have an economy of time, you know, and if you don't have mm -hmm. all the time to put into that, yeah. then you just, you lose it. Right. I say it's like stepping away from the, you know, the phrase stepping away from the piano, but um, I could give you some really great people to follow to, to learn more. 
and some resources that might be worth looking into. That'd be great. I talked on uh, Twitter. I'll do that for you. How do we do that? Because your your tw- your I think your stuff is your inbox is not open. Is it? Hold on a sec. Let me double check. I, I think it's been like that for for a minute. Oh shit! I'm sorry. Okay, so now it's it's open now. I have to go through periods where I okay. turn it off because it's just <laughs> time to time it's yeah. like overwhelming. So yeah, feel free to message me and I'll, I'll send you a, I'll send you a list of people to look closely follow. Because I talk to your friend a lot, uh, or I talk to Banks quite a bit, and okay. uh, he, he's the one who put me on your uh, market profile course. Oh, nice. So yeah, he he helped me out a lot with just kind of understanding a lot of the stuff that you've been putting out, and so um, I really appreciate kind of both of the content you guys have been putting out because. Um, I think coming from artificial, because I worked on artificial intelligence, so I worked on natural language processing, and okay. um, so like for me, I had that that background just kind of it made a lot of sense, kind of the more mathematical approaches to these things. Um, yeah. But I also have a research background in uh, behavioral economics uh, from Berkeley, so I, oh, I, nice. I, I a, a lot of these things just kind of made sense. And the way it looks like you use a lot of different things, like you're not just using micro profile. It looks like you are probably familiar with people like Dan Kahneman or Herbert, uh, Herbert Simon and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I kind of want to start to incorporate more of that stuff into my uh, day-to-day uh, trading. So I really appreciate okay. like a lot of this kind of analysis. I, it, it seems like you're much more aggregate as opposed to just a lot of the people who use market structure, which doesn't make any sense to me, like from a computational standpoint to just look at a chart and be like, Oh, I need a short, I need to go long here. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like the easiest thing for people to first look at. Like the first thing people look at is a chart, but you can't just arrive to all the conclusions based on what's happened in the past. Yeah. It seems necessary, but it's not sufficient, you know, and I right, think exactly. it's hard for people to understand that concept. But I think with, with these kind of volatile times, I was talking to banks about it. I was starting to kind of look at computational ways to, uh, you know, get out of the way of these like Russia headlines, you know, so you don't get stopped out. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm really interested. So I'll, I'll DM you for that. I, just, I did have a, a technical question though. For I see a lot of times you're talking about, oh, we see Binance flows or. Hold on one second. Probably you cut out for a second. You want to just ask again? Oh, sorry. Um, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. I didn't hear any of the beginning of that though. Oh, so a, a lot of times you'll be looking at, you know, inflows. And I see people different. I don't know if it's just specific indicators on TradingView that you're looking at, but sometimes you'll be like, oh, we see a lot of inflows coming in on Bitfinex, on FTX. Are you using TradingLight to look at that? So I I started using TradingLight more when I started trading alt more aggressively. Um, Okay. I mean, there's a bunch of platforms that kind of offer the same information when it comes to like CVDs and uh, market depth and uh, open interest. I like Mm -hmm. TradingLight though. I, I, you know, one has to offer the the tools you're looking for, and two, you just have to be like comfortable with the user interface. But when I'm when I'm talking about like when I'm talking about, it might not be. I don't know if I ever use the term inflows um, because that makes me think of like on chain activity. Yeah, but yeah. I'll talk about just flows, meaning like long and short, uh, and that's usually from looking at something like exo charts. So exo charts oh. has a. Um, they have a full uh, order flow and market profile suite. And oh, is that separate? Because like, I do use that. Is that like a separate situation besides, because I have EXO and I use it a lot, but I don't see any way to look at different exchanges. Is that just like a um, different well, system? I'm, I mean, I'm looking at, I have individual charts up of each exchange. 
and I'm looking at the open interest, I'm looking at the long and short delta essentially of either of all of those exchanges. So that not long and short sense. delta, but they, they have the net longs and net shorts tool, but a combination of something like, you know, delta, CVD, open interest, you could pick up on these things. And you could, you know, sense. see individual activity coming through on the tape. You could look at you could look at a bunch of tools to see, you know, which uh, exchange is getting hit and in what direction. You could look at something okay. like Okotoki, which is a, you know, it's a platform that has all of the order books. Um, Okitoki. But yeah, I think Okotoki. Yeah, O K O T O K I, and that has like. Um, that has all the, you could put up all the exchanges and have their order books side by side. So you could see like who's trading at a premium or a discount immediately. Uh, and oh, it wow. also has, it also has trades Delta, which you'll see like on the bottom of it. If you go, if you, I think it's, it's on the bottom, it has like uh, 15, 30 minute, 45 intervals. And it'll show you like the Delta in those time periods um, of buyers and sellers and like who's more or less doing most of the pushing. Oh, wow. Um, can you spell that for me just one more time? Make sure I got that right. Okay. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. O T. Okay. I. Okay. I. Perfect. That's exactly what I was looking for. Actually. Um, that makes sense. And just one last question on XO. Do you know how, what the delay is like on XO? So if you're looking at something like a footprint chart, is that delayed by like 20 minutes, 15 minutes, 10 minutes? No, that's, um, it's near instantaneous. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. I mean, awesome. Uh, there are t the the trouble with like connecting to all these ex and having multiple exchanges and everything being fragmented and relying on these third party platforms is that there are going to be times where yeah you can imagine that maybe the the feed is like slightly delayed or there's some latency, um, but I haven't I haven't noticed it to the point where it's actually affecting um, my you know trading decisions and and overall uh, process. Okay. That's I, I that I always, like, for example, like, that's one thing that I always worry about, like not getting the information fast enough or, you know, having late, you know, the, just the information being late. I mean, you have um, trading light. I, I use this as an example, a couple, maybe it was like a couple months ago now. Uh, trading light. I just wanted to see like how fast things adjusted because, you know, trading light, a lot of people sort of lean on the heat map, Right. You either see, you know, bids or asks stacked and, you know, begin to build a case if there's confluence between support and resistance. But, you know, how fast do those bids and asks change? So I was wondering this and I actually um, I went on to one of the exchanges I was trading on and I I was just placing orders and pulling them. And what I noticed <laughs> is on trading light, when I place the order and I would place it like far away from price, when I place a place an order it almost, it reflected almost instantly. But when I removed the order, it, there was like a 13 to 15 second delay before it actually showed up on trading light. So, I mean, as you can imagine, if you're leaning on a particular order or stacked area within the book as being there, um, and it's not like that could be pretty troublesome, right? So yeah, I noticed there was a d degree of latency uh, on trading light with that, but I haven't noticed anything uh, with any of the footprint platforms. Although when things get crazy, like, you know, when the market is extremely volatile, it, it probably is the case that it's going to pick up when exchanges to begin with are going down, you know, so there are definitely periods where this stuff is not going to be reliable. And are people using this to some extent to see like where statistically like likely people are putting like their stops? 
Is this something that maybe like whales use to run stops on people? I mean, is there a you, way to do that? There are people that create like um, maps and charts of where potentially stops are placed just based on the volume that comes into the market. Like if you have a mm-hmm. bunch of buyers that step in, you could isolate where they get involved. You could to some degree begin to map out an idea of like where their stops might be. Um, but you don't you don't necessarily know what leverage everybody's using. So a lot of people yeah. sort of default to the idea that if someone, you know, if a large amount of volume comes in, like their stops are going to be one to two percent away because that would be liquidation values for, you know, 50 uh-huh. to 100 times leverage. But I don't think that that's necessarily I think that's kind of, I don't know, flawed way to look at things, because a lot of larger participants are probably not even in trouble if price moved, you know, percent, a couple percent against them. Right. Because they have enough margin to just throw out the position and and to ensure that they're not really experiencing pain, at least in a, a small you know, window. That, that makes sense. It's just probabilistic. I saw some people posting stuff like that, but that didn't make sense to me how they would get that information. So that, that makes yeah. sense. Okay. Well, all right. I'll DM you. Well, thank you so much. No problem, man. Good talking to you. What's up, Daniel? Can you hear me now? There we go. I think I've got hey, you. Hey, what's up, buddy? How you doing? You all right? Good. Good to talk to you. Yeah. At long last. Um, firstly, thanks. Thanks again for uh, uh, just echoing what other people have said. Thanks for putting this on and thanks for all the educational stuff you put out in the past. It's been really helpful. Um, apologies. I missed the first five or so minutes um, of the call. Um, I was trying to sign up over here in the UK. It was a bit, bit of a nightmare. I couldn't sign up on my phone. But all sorted now. I, I think when I joined you, we were kind of indicating that you were thinking prices were, were, were to go lower. So apologies to ask you to repeat yourself, but what, no, what's right. your what's your consensus behind that? What what's your what's your thoughts behind that? Just because I'm looking at this at the minute, and as you know, I've just just taken your course, um, the the block cruise course, which people listening, I would advise to take. It's been it's been excellent, um, and I've, I've got a couple of composites uh, here. And I'm, me personally, I'm looking at this based on what I know, which is obviously nowhere near as much as you know. Uh, Thirty-seven seven. So the previous week val around there sorry 37.4 37.4 um the previous week value low if we lose that that's kind of for me we're, we're down to 35k ish um were you echoing that sentiment or what was your thinking yeah. behind lower yeah so like i wanted to first start and talk about my post this morning because i was mentioning you know i'm bullish if uh, Terra is going to be buying over a billion. Yeah, I saw that, say. and I, I kind of like, got in mid <clears throat> mid the TWAP conversation, so yeah. I, I didn't get all of that. Sorry. Like I'm bullish on on getting behind them if they're going to do that, but I'm not getting in a position before that even comes to fruition, right? Like that's a flow that I'm willing to ride, but I think in the right. short term, without that, it looks like we're going lower. Um, so to reiterate that, you know, we're we have a really nice range. So the benefit do, of a really nice range is like when you're, when we're above 45 or when we're below 33 at this point, like don't debate it. Um, the first break of a range like this, you know, that the market has been sort of focusing on now for over a quarter is going to have some follow through. But while it's, while it's within the range, like play the range, right. But where we are now, like the middle of the range is, is never a good no place to get a position. Yeah. But I think that, if we look at it, we're favoring the lows of the structure we're developing more recently than than the highs. You know, we're getting mm-hmm. very quickly rejected from any attempt to move upward. 
Um, and more recently, we have like this, you know, we have a, a lower high uh, locally, right, compared to the high that took us up to 44.5. So it looks like we have more, you know, wiki activity to the upside. And I guess it becomes more obvious if you look at something like a weekly. Uh, um, so plus two weeklies. Yeah. Swifter rejections from the upside, more of like this kind of hanging out consolidation type of behavior um, at the low end of the structure, right? So around like 38, 37, you know, highs of 37. Um, and, you know, we have a poor low today. We're, we're hanging out below where most of the volume has come in the last three days. It just looks like to me that it's going to do sort of what it did going back into July before the final move down to, to 30, where we compressed for like a couple days, um, mm -hmm. but, but never made any further effort upward, just kind of melted down. So I think that we're, there's possibility of that, like where we kind of just continue to trade within each prior day's range, right? So not necessarily each prior day's range, but the next couple of days, you know, we'll, I think ultimately like ATR and, you know, our ranges really drop off. Uh, and volatility really drops off and then we'll get a break. And I think that it'll be, I think it ultimately will be down. <clears throat> interesting. Interesting. Um, the, the, the thing I'm seeing here, um, again, based on a lot of the composite stuff that, that you've, you've talked about. Um, so from the 20th of February uh, to kind of before it broke up to 40 and then back down, there's like a 2K range between, 37.4 again yeah 37.4 and, and 39.4 where there's been so much volume uh, and, and yeah like you say rejections from the highs kind of if we if we see acceptance below there is that when you're thinking and it moves down yeah i mean i think that i think that um we have a pretty like we're within a range but right now locally we have a pretty decent diagonal that stands out um, and I think that if we lose any of the local lows that we put in, it just means that we dive down, dive down to around 34. So for example, if, if we break, like if we break this local low around, um, it's right around 37, 7, 30, it's, we'll, we'll say for all intents and purposes, 37. Mm -hmm. I think if we break that, we're just, we're going to retest the wick low. So 34, 5, 34 region. Yeah, and see we'll that. see if we get a we'll see if we get a bounce at the lows that we put in at the end of January. But if we if we begin to so, show signs of acceptance outside of where most of the volume has been done within this range, I think that it means that we we retest the lows going back to last year. Mm -hmm. Right. So you know the third the low thirties, potentially high twenties. Um, but we'll see because things are they're very clean right now. Like they're clean. We've been stuck within a really clean range, but it's definitely starting to funnel. Right. Yeah, I was listening to Jim. Jim's uh, Jim did a Twitch session yesterday with Magus, or Magus, um, and he he shown the monthly profile and how they were funneling, um, which was you know I'd never looked at it on a monthly basis, and and he was kind of saying the same thing you said before that it's getting tight um, and it's it's really coiling, uh, at similar to what it did in July of last year. So it is it, kind of hinting at a large break in in one direction or another. Yeah, you have an inside month right now. You know, um, you have an inside month that hasn't been tested yet. I mean, it looks like we're, if we continued now and for the next 20 days, we would have two inside months, but you have an inside month and the high is like, the high is actually in sort of the same 
high region as the range high we're in, around 45.8, and the low is 34.3. So I think that that coincides really nicely with the range high and range low that we already have. So yeah, if we break outside of the structure, it's not something you're going to want to face. You know, whether that's to the downside or to the upside, right? So if we break, you know, if we break above 40, 44, you know, excuse me, 45 region, um, and we're back within that structure going back to December, then I think you're just looking, you know, 52 and upward. But if we break below, you know, 30, if we break below 34, 33, it's definitely going to be a strong move down to retest that 29.30 region. For sure. Okay, well, listen, I've been up here for a while now, so I'll let someone else get on. But yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot for the input, and uh, yeah, I'll continue to listen. Great talking to you, man. You too. Take care, mate. All right. FRZR. Hey, what's going on, man? What's going on, man? Um, yes, yeah, so you guys actually just talked about uh, the, the thing that I kind of wanted to bring up, which is... Um, uh, but but it'd be nice to hear your opinion on it. Um, generally, I'm not a you know I'm I'm not very savvy with uh, volume profile and, and other more intricate indicators. But one of the things that you know has helped me do really well in consolidations for swing moves is um, the speed of the move. Uh, like if I'm if I'm noticing that price is getting if price is moving swiftly off the bottom of the range, it, it becomes very easy for me to become bullish and what's what's tricky i mean we saw that in the summer uh you know anytime you any anytime in the bottom half of the range uh price was kind of like you know absorbed quickly and then we would just move back to the middle of the range so at that point i had pretty high conviction that we would break up i i felt really bullish um just because we had stopped this downtrend and we were going sideways and it's hard not to be at least medium term bullish after three months down but uh last two moves up i mean I mean, this almost looks like the opposite of the summer, which is which is really crazy. I didn't expect us to break down, but to me, I just think that you know the moves up get faded so fast. Uh, I don't know if I've really ever seen a breakout from a situation like this. I, 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 maybe you've maybe you've seen differently. Do you mean a like a break upward? If that yeah. Was, yeah yeah yeah, I mean normally. Um, so, for example, like you would want to see if you're really bullish, you would much more prefer to see that we're doing what we're doing right now, but the structure was flipped, right? Where we're consolidating more against the highs than we are at the lows. Um, You know, the, the time that we spent that, if you just go based on like time spent at the highs and time spent at the lows, you know, we're spending a lot more time sub 40 than we were spending, you know, above even something like 42. Right. Mm -hmm. So, very short lived at the highs and the high, the levels that we put in at the highs are like perfect retests of a prior level that was deemed to be initially like the bottoming structure, right? Going back to December when we were right around 45, 46. Yeah. So definitely going to be a lot of supply returning back there because you had a lot of people that probably reestablished positions and, you know, would be happy to get back at break, get out at break even if, if we got a bounce back there. I mean, we had so many, we've had plenty of attempts at it, right, you know, so far. The initial one was the first week and a half of January. That was just like a small throwback. Another one in the first, you know, second week of February, um, third week of February, and then more recently, the, you know, first day of March. And these are very quickly rolling all the way back down to the low. So 
yeah, th- this structure looks like it doesn't it doesn't in you know inspire me to to be bullish absent any kind of major catalyst. So if if we see you know uh, um, Luna right that whole situation take place where they TWAP in. If that flow is obvious, I'm going to be exposed to that flow. But right now, I, I think that it looks much more obvious that it wants to test at least these local lows more than anything else because it's just it's it's sleeping at the at the low and it's getting rejected very quickly every time it moves up to the highs. Like there's a lot more of a kickback at the highs, and it, sometimes it's that simple in my opinion. Um, so it looks like we're I mean it's just starting to look like it now that maybe we're going to go into a lower volatility period. And do maybe what we did back in the end of June, beginning of July, where we just kind of melt down and retest, you know, 34, 33. Uh, it, I, I think that the market might be wrong about how much time it takes to, for this to all work itself out, right? I mean, we've been in a range for going on a year now, but, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of uncertainty across all markets right now and just geopolitically and we don't have like the best environment for risk assets so you know we could be moving sideways a lot longer than most people expect um i again though i, I think it's probably just best to play play the range and right now we're we're, we're within a really clean one uh, i know a lot of people want to get in position before the move happens but it's it, it on its own right now it's not it doesn't look bullish right there's a lot of like spinning of narratives to to make it seem more bullish than it is, right? Like, you know, Bitcoin fulfilling its purpose with, you know, the global conflict that's taking place with the stuff that took place in Canada, uh, you know, with regard to self-sovereignty, you know, control your own assets, yada, yada, yada. Um, but in terms of price action, it's it's not showing any kind of uh, major positives. The one thing that does, like, I guess, you know, is worth noting is that um, like Binance, for example, or, or just the large, the leading exchanges, um, through volume and open interest, they're showing similar uh, behavior to previous bottoms, right? Where you had, you know, more of a spot basis, more of a futures discount. Um, futures, linear futures contracts were flat, backward dated briefly, but mostly flat. So it's kind of exactly what you would want to see for a longer term bottom to develop, but nothing that jumps out and says like, you have to buy right away, right? If, you, if you're a long-term investor, like, yeah, maybe it's a good time to to dollar cost average and, you know, start building or accumulating exposure. Um, yeah. But in the short term, it doesn't say like, you're going to miss the long if you if you wait on this, right? Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And another thing that, another thing that I, I wonder, you know, and it really, it really bothers me because, because I agree with you that, you know, price action wise, everything, everything looks bearish and, Alts look even worse than Bitcoin um, because they're not even they're not even in sideways trends. They're just in straight downtrends. Um, but I always wonder, you know, certain coins are like 70, 80 percent off the highs. Who is absorbing these coins? And and is it a market maker that eventually has to pump this thing like 100 percent just to just to offload their inventory? Who is actually on the buy side of this? Uh, I mean, a lot of it is. Yeah, a lot of it is exchange market makers. Um, and that's why these are so dangerous, like alts that are down, you know, you could, I mentioned this yesterday, you could be, you could be spot on with, with, with saying like, 
80% of alts that you're seeing right now that are in a sustained downtrend and that have dropped significantly are still going to drop a lot more. Um, but those are really difficult trades to place because you're not trading against retail anymore. You are trading against, you know, market makers and bots and algos. And when you go to place a short, you stand out sort of like a sore thumb if you're trading with any size because you're immediately causing a pretty sharp increase in open interest. Um, and you become sort of like a, a, a target worth hunting or a bounty gets put on your position because any flow is going to be, you know, attempted to squeeze. So it is mostly, it is mostly market makers and there's like a lot of predatory behavior because of that. Um, I'm sure there are some projects that are being accumulated long-term because, you know, we've seen sort of how cycles play out in the past, although that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to play out the same in the future. Um, but yeah, things that have fallen like 70%, they could still fall, like for anyone who just gets involved now, they could still fall, you know, it's personal, right? They could still fall another 70% for you when you get in. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, when I look at the market right now, it, it's almost like it's getting, it's getting tiring saying the same stuff again, not like to, to you guys or anything, but nothing has really changed too much. So anything that seems like a change is like everyone kind of attaches to it. Even myself, like this morning talking about like Terra ecosystem, Luna and, and, you know, that whole Bitcoin purchase, it's like, it's kind of grasping for straws because there is nothing right now that is really standing out as overly bullish. You have to start like, yeah, this is not a, a bad thing to do, but you have to, because honestly, it's sometimes it's the good sign. You have to start building a case for it being bullish by saying how bad things are and how much it's not moving down anymore, right? Like with equities, with crypto, the argument is becoming like things are so bad and we're still able to hold these prices. It must be bullish. Um, but we've seen in the past how that hasn't worked out in 2018. Like I was around, you know, I was around back then and I remember being super bearish and the field being very split, like half of us very bullish, half of us very bearish. And yeah. the entire time that prices were flat, everyone was like, oh, you know, we've had all this negative news and it's been going on so long now that, you know, clearly this has to be, you know, only has one place to go and that's up. And then, you know, look what happened. The market just ripped down. So I don't want to get complacent and start thinking along that way. You could start thinking that way when you have negative news and prices moving up. Um, but but Bitcoin, for all intents and purposes, the most successful thing that's done in the last few months is go down. Right? It's paused for the first time considerably more recently, but this could just be another consolidation that leads to a bigger leg down. And, and with all, it's just to get back on that topic. They're probably one of the better reasons to be bearish because overall market is like a, I think it's a pretty good indication of where we're at. There's the market breadth right now in terms of just overall market performance, right? Um, is crap. So on its own, Bitcoin would maybe take off, but nothing right now really screams that that is uh, going to happen in the near future. Yeah. Thank you, man. I mean, there's a strong there's a strong fundamental case, I think, more than ever for Bitcoin. But mm -hmm. that doesn't have to mean that, you know, we're going to be at 60K a month from now. That just means like if you're a long term investor, you're probably getting more and more confident in your decision. Yeah, you I know? think I think I think the issue is um, I, w I would assume, uh, you know, and, and this is how I felt initially, too. Uh, I would assume that a lot of the market just views, you know, 30K to 60K as one big consolidation. So, you know, 30s is cheap. 
you know, high fifties is expensive. So I think, I think there's definitely people that are buying here with the intention to sell this at maybe a 50% premium or maybe higher 75% premium. And, and yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily look like they'll get that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Any, and honestly, like if we were to make a move up to like high fifties and high sixties, again, there's going to be a, a whole lot of, there's going to be a, a lot more selling pressure coming in. It's not like the people that are getting involved here are not going to want to take profit at the most significant level that's on the chart. That's untested again now. Um, yeah. So I think we're stuck for a while absent some kind of major catalyst. I honestly think like the next major move in BTC is just going to be, it's kind of going to be what um, the structure from like July, 2019 to September, 2020 is absent a, you know, COVID nuke, meaning like a few, we're going to be forming a really big range. And over time, it'll probably just positively begin to skew upward, meaning like it'll start to drift up more. And it'll be kind of obvious at that point which way the market's going to go, except for people that are still, you know, fading the market, grinding up slowly over the course of like a year. Um, <clears throat> unless there's a catalyst, right? Like some kind of major macro catalyst that sends Bitcoin up another 10K and then you have people chasing. But I think absent that, we're just going to kind of range our way upward over time. And maybe that means visit like 29K again and then bounce for another we could be doing this for a lot longer than my point is, I think we could do this for a lot longer, still end up moving up over time, but be ranging for much longer than most people expect. Are, are you a 85% from all time high cycle decline believer or no? Um, no, nah, not really, because I think that I said a few times, like, especially for people that this is relevant for people that are like creating models and um, are more systematic and, and leaning on historical data to use. Uh, I don't think that you could really look back pre COVID and e extend those conditions forward with much weight because before that we had a different, we had, a, we're, we didn't have all of the institutional participation that we have now, like, and a good example of that is the, um, index correlation between BTC and BTC and, you know, the S&P or the Russell or the DAC, whichever one you want to uh, reference. There's a, there's a lot more sophisticated participants in right now that are, cha are likely going to change what you would, ex what, what it changed sort of the behaviors moving forward. Um, so back then it was a lot, you know, just retail and whales. Uh, and now you have people that are probably going to be, passively indexing over time and buying every major dip. So I think what that does is maybe they're not going to have like a massive impact, but I think it does change the effect on prices. I think it does change the overall um, behavior of prices moving forward. I, I don't think we have to come and do an 80% plus decline. It's, I think it would be hard to do that. If, if it was able to do that, it'd be, I think it would make Bitcoin less bullish now because if you have all these new participants in and they didn't sort of seize the opportunity sooner, I don't know. I, I could be rambling about that, but I don't think that that's something that I would say is, um, you know, a necessary outcome moving forward. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Thank you, man. It was, it was great talking to you. Likewise, man. All right, Daniel, what's up, buddy? Hop on again.
Hey, what's up, man? Oh, sorry, I was on, was on mute there. Uh, yeah, me again. Apologies about that. I was something I to ask. Um, CVD, um, cumulative volume delta, I know that's something you use quite a lot uh, in, in your trading uh, and you talk about in your courses. Um, one thing I was wondering if you could just shed some additional light on uh, is the difference between spot CVD and perp CVD and what weighting you may or may not give that when jumping into trades. Uh, I mean, spot CVD is like, I don't know. I think it's sometimes it's like the narrative cherry on top, but mm. spot CVDs in general are going to be more skewed because if they're spot CVD, they're on like a fiat on ramp. And, and the first action that you take, if you're going onto a Coinbase or, you know, a Binance spot exchange, you know, your first action as a person coming into crypto is not to sell. It's to buy first anything. Right. So mm -hmm your spot CVDs are overall going to be skewed because the market is skewed long regardless. Markets are naturally long more than they're naturally short, right? Mm -hmm. so to short a market, you have to borrow, you have to take a step more than just long in the market. And in crypto, what that meant for a long time was you actually, before you could short, you had to be long BTC, right? Like before there were USDT margin, you know, futures products. And yeah, it was quite BTC margin. margin. Yeah, you had to have Bitcoin first, which was mm -hmm. pretty cool because you had to be long first. So the market was skewed long to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, and that and, and, and spot CVDs are like, I find that they're probably useful on the very low time frames, like looking maybe intraday or over the course of a couple of days, but spot mm -hmm. CVDs also are not going to have the same amount of selling pressure because the only sells that take place on spot are to close positions rather than open also. So I just think that it leaves out a good amount of activity that comes into the market. Um, and this is a derivative-led market. So I think it's, again, it's sort of like a cherry on top when you have a strong trend and you have a you know consistent Coinbase premium or a consistent Bitfinex premium. That's something that, you know, is a potentially a sign of, you know, um, something strong under the, under the water, under the surface. But overall, I don't focus on them really too much. And when I focus on CVDs in general, like when I'm looking at perp CVDs, it's usually just like over the course of a, you know, a multi- multi-day range it's never really over the high time frame it's usually maybe just over the course of a week at max mm. um, yeah so i saw abe um abe trade mentioned something about it's, it's just a bit phony when you're looking at cbd over a higher time frame and the edge in it is is on the short time frames yeah um, which of course you use well the reason i ask um and why why i was interested is because since the market topped out yesterday oh, sorry on the ninth so literally right at the top spot cvd fell under perpetual cvd um all the way down to the bottom today at which point spot cvd flipped perp cvd um i didn't know if if, if that what, what what you would assign to that in your mind is if that was a bullish thing or if that was just a, a, a some a, just a nothing burger um because to be honest yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm not really fluent with, I know you said this is a, a derivatives-led market, not a spot-led market, but I, I think it's quite confusing to someone who's who's not been around for for a long time as to what is the heavier hand, spot or CV, uh, spot or perp. Uh, and, you know, it'd be good if you could shed some light on that, actually. I mean, your derivative market definitely leads this market. Um, there are going to be cases that are few and far between where the spot is doing the leading but 
for the most part, the standard is that derivatives lead the market. Uh, they, they create the short-term imbalance moves. Um, they create the tops and bottoms ultimately because you have, that's where the most crowding takes place by one side. You know, whether the market is getting overly crowded at the highs or, you know, selling short, uh, you know, breaking, you know, selling breakdowns and creating the lows um, on the short side of things. I, I don't think that the spot CVD should take uh, precedent over perp CVDs in terms of what you analyze. I think it's good to, again, focus on, you know, to have an idea of who is doing the leading, like whether we're trading with a spot premium or a futures premium. But I think that the most significant things worth focusing on are your finance um, futures products, FTX futures products. And I look at Bybit still because they still do have a significant amount of market share. And that's where you have some really good short-term imbalance setups take place. Or rather, that's where some short-term imbalance setups get their value from, right, or get their, their fuel from. But like today, I think it was uh, Bitfinex that threw off the aggregate spot CVD. Like if you isolated just for Bitfinex's spot CVD, there was a really significant change in it this morning. Um, but I don't know. I find like I try not to I try not to get stretched out too much across this market by focusing on too many things. Like, because then you might, you know, be in a position of analysis paralysis. If if everything looks one way and then you see on, you know, one particular exchange, there's some people that do this. They monitor like every CVD, they monitor every exchange open, you know, uh, every exchange is open interest. I, I can't really do that. Like, I don't have the bandwidth to do that. And I don't think that it really brings value to my trading. Um, but I, I think that in terms of priorities, you have to focus on derivatives over spot. But like I said, there are periods when, and I think this, I think when these periods occur, it's obvious either way, you know, periods when it's really bullish, you'll see that there'll be like a significant, a couple times there's been a significant Coinbase buyer, like in the New York session, leading the New York session, um, or a couple times where there's been, and more than a couple, right? I'm just being casual, yeah. where there's been a significant buyer on Bitfinex. But when these things are occurring, like it's taking place across the entire market either way, because it doesn't really I mean, it doesn't matter to, you know, it doesn't necessarily serve you to isolate just for that one entity or one particular exchange leading because it's kind of, it's obvious across the market. So, and I think, I think to, to, to your point about, you know, it doesn't really add much value to your trading. Um, for someone who's nowhere near as advanced as you and, and is learning the ropes, so to speak, or has been for a while, I think I definitely fall into the trap of trying to understand everything. Uh, and, and, you know, because there's so many contrasting opinions, it, it, it's, it's tough to know who to follow. Um, and only now, after maybe 12 months of, of really focusing on this market, am I starting to come out of that? Uh, and, and starts focus on just a couple of things. Um, so that's, def that's definitely something that, that has, that has helped on the, uh, on the buy bit point, um, where you mentioned about, it, you know, it still has a large market share following your course, uh, on the footprint statistics, a lot of them for me, looking back now at the footprint statistics compared to what I'm seeing on the chart right in front of me now, um, you know, it, 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 some, it's sometimes difficult to compare. How did you adapt to these changes in volumes? Because, you know, you, you may have historically looked at a footprint bar and saw a 15 million vol candle and thought, you know, that, that's a really large volume candle. You're going to fade that. Whereas now, 
<laughs> every other candle to 15 million volt candle on some of these exchanges. So be be interested to hear your thoughts on that and how you've adapted and how much how much that took to adapt. Uh, I mean, honestly, I, it didn't. If you're looking at the chart like 18 hours a day, um, it just kind of was faster. an ebb and flow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's. I've definitely seen how the value of significance has changed over time. Like back when I was trading on BitMEX, like significant value was like two, three million contracts, you know, like <laughs> aping in. It was like, whoa, get behind that. And at the time, like there was a long period of time where that was pretty good to get behind that. That was leading, um, you know, just following the whales essentially. But as prices have gone up, like that value has obviously changed because, mm. you know, for one, those people that are, most people that are trading have now because of a two year bull run have a lot more money. So the significant values definitely have gone up with prices. I mean, with Bybit for a while, it was like fade everything, fade every six to 7 million contracts that come in in a matter of seconds. Like there was like, maybe it was one person too, honestly, maybe it was like one trader on Bybit and they would always get in at the wrong time. But like you said, now, you know, overall, on the thing about the thing that has changed on Bybit is it went from being coin margin perps having most of the volume to now um, USDT margin perps having most of the volume. And that's occurred alongside them changing their rebate structure. So there's honestly, there's a little bit of um, noise that's come into that interpretation just because of that detail. Right, just because now there's less incentive to provide liquidity for you know your everyday trader mm. because they're not getting as much back, so that's going to create mm. less you know limit flow and more taker flow. Um, or there's only one flow and it's taker, but it, uh, I mean, not for nothing, the imbalances that come in on on Binance on FTX on Bybit, they haven't really changed too much in value. Um, I mean, not, not enough for me to, to note, but oh, I, really, I, yeah, those, I mean, in the last, I'm talking about in like the last couple months. Yeah. Those me setups too. are not, they're not coming all the time anyway. Um, honestly, now when I focus on like the last month and a half, two months, the volume that I focus on more is not like, I look for those particular setups to come through the tape on Bybit, like I, I have an eye for them, but really it's it's the volume that comes in on Binance and FTX. Um, like there is the same kind of late participation that takes place on those exchanges as there is on Bybit, but it's just, it's, you know, miles difference in terms of volume. It's like 50 million contracts, 75 million contracts, um, whereas Bybit was like, you know, seven to 10 million contracts even mm -hmm. before. Uh, so there's obviously there's a lot more volume done on Binance. It's the most liquid product. Um, but over time, I mean, yeah, you'll just develop an eye for it. Like you'll see what doesn't get. It's basically like what doesn't get rewarded. You know, like that's really how it was determined to begin with. Like you yeah. see, oh, every time that there's a string of buys coming in on Bybit, like price never Fade continues. It. Yeah. <laughs> so can these see, are things can, that you just pick can, up on. Last question for me, I promise, and then I'll hop off. <laughs> um, there's there's a, a delta divergence right now on, on Bybit. Um, is is that the size 
of something you look at talking 15 minute chart here going back to oh god i'm gmt time so i'm not even sure that will be your time um the past four or five hours let's say that, that yeah, there seems yeah. to be a cvd divergence is that big enough for you to get involved with there or would you look for something bigger i know you, I know you talk about combining with the footprint and stuff like that but w- would you start be would you be eyeing this up now um or, or is that you, i mean you know, the one that other see... things to look at uh, the one that I see is not like, it looks like the, are you talking about the, the divergence right now between you? So what'd you say? You're looking at a 15 minute chart the last couple hours. Yeah. Last couple hours. Like CVDs made new highs. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, not for nothing. Price is making marginally higher highs. Uh, the CVD is making, yeah, it's, it's, it's making a more obvious higher high, but it, it could be leading. I mean, some of this right now is, is shorts being stopped out. Um, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I think we're getting to a point where you're, you're seeing both sides commit because it looks like price is funneling and coming to a point where it's it's going to break hard in one direction. But that CVD divergence doesn't like stand out enough to me to yeah, really okay. form some kind of conclusive opinion. Nice. Nice. Okay. Well, again, thanks. Thanks a lot for everything. Thanks for having me on twice. Um, I appreciate it all. Everyone have a good weekend. My pleasure, Daniel. You too. Take care. All right, guys. I think I'm going to wrap it up. I have a uh, good amount of brain fog right now. I feel like I'm getting sicker as I do this. I'm sure you could probably tell. I'm like super cloudy right now. Um, I don't know why. Maybe my dog got me sick. Maybe I kissed my dog too much and she gave me jar yet. But I'm going to wrap it up unless anyone else wants to hop on. Apologies if I seem a little bit under the weather. Sometimes I'm sharp. Sometimes I'm dull. This happens to be one where I can tell that I'm definitely dull. My brain is definitely operating on turtle mode right now instead of rabbit. That's a John Deere reference for anyone. All right. No one else is going to get on. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, I'll go live again. We'll do, let's see, do I have anything? Maybe we'll do a, uh, a Sunday session. We'll go live again on Sunday. I'll post a, I'll post a link tomorrow. Um, and hopefully that'll be a bit more snappy. I'm going to, I'm going to go hydrate and get some fresh air. Maybe that's what it is too. I cooped up inactive. Uh, my dog so this is probably a i don't want to blame it on my dogs but the last two nights um the first night when my dog crapped our dog crapped in our bedroom that was that was a night where we didn't get really any sleep and at this stage in my life like sleep is the most important thing if i don't sleep like it's not like i could bounce back the next day like when you're in your 20s when you're younger um so that began to cascade yesterday and then last night because you know she's sick and and she's she's a puppy so we made a we made an allowance for her last night to sleep in our bed which meant that you know she's a big dog so i didn't really get to sleep at all last night either because i never got to move around so my i guess every time i was starting to fall asleep um i would go to do the natural you know readjustment when you're sleeping and sort of bounce into this meaty object and uh, I was kind of like falling off the side of the bed the entire night. So I don't think I got, I think it's had two nights in a row of just really poor sleep. Maybe that's what it is, but who knows? Either way, I'm feeling like shit. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. It's been a pleasure. 
Uh, some are obviously better than others, and this one was definitely, this one was rated a C. Uh, I will post a link tomorrow, and we'll go live again on Sunday. I'll make the, make sure to take some uh, vitamin C, some zinc, plenty of caffeine, and we'll uh, hopefully talk about some improvement in activity in the market because this is getting really boring. Until then, everyone have a fantastic evening, weekend, all that good stuff.